Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joshua T. Berglund. And before we start this presentation of Gratitude Unfiltered with our amazing guest, I'm going to start this off with reading a devotional like I always do. This one's timely, and I think that you guys will enjoy it. I want to thank you all for watching on the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Uh, so grateful to have you all here. And um, as I mentioned, if you do follow me on Facebook, I'm... <laughs> I'm still suspended from doing lives. Like I even before my suspension was up, I got suspended again. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, but evidently the technocrats don't love it. But nonetheless, we are so grateful to have your support here at the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Uh, thank you guys. Thank you for downloading the podcast, and uh, just thank you for your support overall. So let's get into this. All right, preserve in prayer. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. To our Lord and Master, prayer was an essential discipline. When he was at the peak of his popularity, thousands followed him to hear him preach and to learn from him. But even when he was denied by all of his friends and had to endure humiliation of seeming defeat, he found strength and inspiration in prayer. Unfortunately, many of his modern disciples only pray when they feel like it, and they forget that prayer does not depend on your emotional state. If you only pray when you feel like it, the time will finally come when you will not pray at all. At times, all Christians experience spiritual drought, and it seems as if God is distant and remote. Consequently, their love for him cools and their spiritual life loses its luster. During these times, it is difficult to pray, but it is precisely then when prayer is crucial. Even though it might seem as if the heavens are insulated with copper, continue praying because it is your only channel to God. Job says, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face, Job thirteen fifteen. This is what ultimately impelled Job from his sorrow and guided him to a renewed awareness that God's blessing rested upon him. Discipline yourself in prayer so that you may triumph over your prayerless times. So experience the supportive love and strength of the master in your darkest and most vulnerable hour. I thank you and praise you, Lord my God, that I may experience the supportive power of prayer in my darkest hour. Amen. Thank you guys for being here. Let's get this started. Rolling out the red carpet, the red carpet. You want them rolling out the red carpet, the red carpet, the red carpet. 
You want the finest things, the diamond rings, the designer jeans, all minor things in the widest scheme. But at what cost to realize your dreams? Been bleeding in the wheel more, put the crown of thorns on, spill more. My mic bloody cause I kill more, but I'm still poor. Bottom is where I started, but I get to the top and park it. Plug up in a harlot, my battery needs charging. And to reach my target is the illest in the market. It's some liquid from my arteries, will spill onto the carpet, yeah. Everybody want fame, nobody want to work for it. Thank you guys so much for being here. My name is Joshua T. Berglund, and you are watching Live Mana Ministries presents Gratitude Unfiltered. Uh, thank you guys again for being here. Um, today we are in for a treat. Um, I'm so blessed to have somebody that I've followed on social media for the last few years, have gotten to know a little bit, but have watched her journey, watched her growth, and she's somebody that just truly inspires me. Um, I really try to make a point out of you know letting God guide me to who the guests are on this program. And, and the stories that are told here are stories of, of people that I, I see greatness in, the people that I see that they're doing real work. They're not phonies. They're not frauds. Like I'm not looking for the, the most famous people in the world. I'm looking for the people that God wants to use in a mighty, mighty big way. And I believe that regardless, whatever where, whatever walk of life you're from, or no matter how many followers you have, God has an extraordinary purpose for your life. And this woman, Erica Christine, who's about to come on the program, is a special, extraordinary human being that is doing the work to impact other people's lives, whether it's her clients or just people that are blessed to be around her. Uh, you guys are in for a very, very special treat. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my friend, Erica Christine. What's up, Christine? How you doing? Hi! Thank you so much. I'm so excited and honored to be here. Thank you so, so much. I'm so happy you're here. Hold on. I'm going to change back screens real quick. There you go. Okay. Awesome. So good to finally have you here after all of this back and forth and years <laughs> and delays, but God's timing's perfect and mine's not. Yes. So, yes. Well <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. So what are you grateful for today, Erica? Oh, wow. Um, you know, today I'm just so grateful for my journey. Just every single day, you know, God just shows me that the one time that I reached out years ago, back in 2011, you know, was for a huge reason. And every day that I'm here impacting people all around the world on social media um you know just my my clients my followers my friends my family and just showing being able to show up being authentically me and telling my story is just it's just been so powerful and i'm just so so grateful to be able to do this every single day when did you, when do you think are you able to look back and remember the day that the true authentic journey started? Yes, it, it is an extremely definitive moment in my life or my entire life took a different road. Tell me about it. So in 2011, I found myself in extremely, extremely unfortunate abusive relationship. 
I thought in the beginning that he was, you know, the man of my dreams, the most incredible man. We had a great relationship together in the beginning. And um, one day I said something, I don't even remember what I said, to be honest. And he pushed my head against the car door. He was driving and we were pulling in my building. And I even remember what I was wearing. And for whatever reason, I don't remember what I said, but he shoved me really hard against the passenger side window. And in that moment, my entire life changed. In that moment, I had never been, I had dated men who were mentally abusive, but I had never dated somebody who would ever physically put their hands on me. I never even was really spanked, like as a child. (laughs) Um, Oh, you got lucky. (laughs) and so I just it was just a completely different it just in that moment it just completely changed my life and things unfortunately got progressively worse and worse and um I beat myself beat myself up I gave myself um no pun intended I beat myself up I gave myself like a hard time and I was really just in a really ugly place in my life and I was self-medicating with uh, prescription pain medication Xanax and I was drinking tons of alcohol trying to get through it I was you know trying to still be in the relationship because I did love him I really did right. care for him he, he had like you know like my women clients like the you know the, a lot of the women that follow me a lot of the women that are just out there now we don't stay in these relationships because we're just constantly being hurt. You know what I mean? These, these men are two different people and he was two different, two different people. And on his good days, he was the most incredible man. And on his bad days, he was just awful. And it was just, he unfortunately was on drugs. I didn't know this in the beginning and everything just, everything just got worse and worse and worse. Um, he, I ended up going to the hospital a couple of times. The final one, I went to the hospital and I had to actually have three surgeries on my neck for a big burn scar on my neck. And I, I, I just knew that something had to change in my life. I knew I wasn't fully blaming myself because I, I knew that I'd be I couldn't control what he had, the circumstances in my life, the drinking, the lifestyle. I worked in the bar industry, just, just that crazy lifestyle. Although it was amazing in the beginning when I was younger, I obviously had a blast, but it got very unmanageable and it got very out of control. And after I had gotten out of the hospital and I knew just everything was crazy, I was still having to work with a huge scar on my neck. And I mean, I was going through multiple surgeries. So I had to, I had to wear like a, uh, a scarf on my neck to hide it. And it just got to be this big, ugly secret. And, um, I just, I didn't want my life to be like that anymore. I, I had, you know, so much fun in my, in my younger twenties. I had, you know, great friends in my younger twenties and I had experienced this great part of my life. And, then I experienced this awful traumatic part of my life. And I was like, wait, this just, 
I've seen the blessings in my life, even though I never prayed to God or I was religious or anything. And then I had this part of my life and I was like, some, something's off here. It just it doesn't make sense. And I had asked him to leave and begged him to leave and he wouldn't leave. And I got really, I got really scared. I was like, I, I might die in this relationship. You know, I, he, his addiction was out of control and what was the addiction? Heroin. Oh my God. Yeah. Very Yeah. I didn't understand the, I didn't, the opiate thing was never for me. It was meth and Coke for me. That was, and which is its own little demon, not little demon, but the opiate thing. Yeah. That's, that's a really, that's scary. Like I remember having two back surgeries the first time and I'd worked with complex disabilities. So like ALS, muscular dystrophy, all that stuff. And but I was around people that were taking hundreds of pain pills a day. And I'm like, yeah. I don't want that. Like, screw that. Yeah. So I ate pot brownies. That's how I got through the first yeah. surgery. The yeah. second surgery, I couldn't get pot because I was in Oklahoma. And um, I mean, like it conveniently. So I used pain pills. That whacks, that whacked out my mind. And I was taking the smallest amount possible of Oxycontin. And it made me insane. So I, yeah. I feel that's, it's rough. And being addicted to it, a whole other thing. Yeah, so, wow. I had never okay, experienced. Yeah, I had never experienced with pain pills or meth or heroin either. It just was never. I had just seen. I remember watching this movie, Basketball Diaries, when I was really mm. young. That's with Leonardo DiCaprio. And yeah. him coming off of heroin, I was like, whoa, I'm never doing that. So that movie just like changed my my. <laughs> I was like, never. And unfortunately I've had people in my, um, in my close circle use meth and I have just never, um, I just never went down that road. Those, those things were just not for me. And so when I found out that this was what he was doing, um, sometimes it was the pills, but when he couldn't get the pills, he would go and get heroin. It was like, I just, it was just like a whole different world to me. But again, like I loved him. So I wanted to be there. I wanted to support him. I'm not, you know, somebody who just leaves. Well, I wasn't then when, you know, the going gets tough and he wouldn't leave. And I was just so scared. I just remember, I remember I had this little, um, my, Two of my dogs had two. One of my dogs had passed away at that time, and my grandparents had passed away. I had probably about fifteen friends die from drugs over the course of my life at this point. And I just remember I just had like this little this like altar where I like picture frames and like my dog's ashes. And I just remember breaking down, crying. Probably one of the hardest times I've ever cried in my life, and. It still makes me so emotional today. And I just remember begging God. I just said, look, I don't know if you're real. I don't know what's going on, but this is not what I want for my life. And I promise if you make him leave, and even though I know it's going to be hard when he leaves because I did care for him, I will radically radically change my life. I will do whatever you want me to do. Anything you put in front of me, I will do. I will do. I will completely change my circle of friends, my entire lifestyle. If you make this man leave, please, I'm begging you. And within one week, my ex said, "I, I, I see that I'm really hurting you. And I, I, I get it. I don't know if he was just sober at that time or what was happening, but he's like, I'm going to actually leave. And so I don't come back. I'm actually going to leave the state. And so he actually ended up leaving 
And from that moment on, I just, I completely changed my entire life. So I want to share something with you. Um, I was in a, you know, I mean, I went from being abused to becoming an abuser. Um, Coke, meth, alcohol, being whacked out of my mind. There's no excuse because I'm a grown man and I made those choices. And um, I know that moment you're talking about when he's like, I got to go. I remember my last relationship before what landed me the sixth time in jail. Uh, two of the six were for domestic violence. And of course, we kept getting back together. And I remember those moments of like when, when the drugs had worn off and then all of a sudden it's like my spirit is going, what you're doing is wrong. Like, what do you, what's, like this is not good for you. The relationship, the dynamic, like you need help. Like this is what's going on internally, which was the obviously from everything that I was doing that was wrong, which was a lot. And we don't need to go into my testimony right now, but there was a lot going on. And those moments of clarity of like, you need to run away from me now. Like there's a monster inside of me and it's going to hurt you. Those moments of clarity, like that moment that he left. But it's an interesting thing that happens in relationships because women have this ability to see the good in people that the person may not even see themselves or know themselves or believe themselves. And they stay yeah. and they think that they can fix the man and they can't. So they go, I love you. I want to stay. And they bring you back in. And then all of a sudden the cycle starts over again. I know that cycle yeah. where I was stuck in it for three years. And it, even like after I turned my life around, then the trauma that was inflicting on her, well, now she's hurt. Now she has PTSD. Now she's triggered. Now her alcohol and her addiction comes alive. And then the fight cycles begin. And then my codependence is not allowing me to leave. I thank God that you didn't have to go through it any longer than you did and that he left. Because that is the thing that so many people out there don't understand. If you are being abused, you cannot fix your abuser. You can't fix them. You gotta leave. You gotta get away, or nothing is ever going to get better. Yeah. So I wanted to share that because I felt that's important. And listen, I'm not proud of my past, but I am proud of what the Lord has done in my life and the healing that's taken place. But it's a freaking journey. The healing process as a former narcissist, I'm a narcissist in recovery because, you know, <laughs> I slip into narcissism every once in a while. But as a narcissist in a recovery and as somebody that does have a very feisty side of me, that it, it is a journey and, and it takes time. And so, ladies and even gentlemen, if you're being abused, you got to go. You got to go because the only way to heal is away. So, sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, I, I really no, need no. to share because it matters. Yeah, totally. People have their own demons. We can't change anybody else. And this is something that I, 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 I try to drill in so much. And just even from the smallest little area of driving in traffic that you can't, you can't change what other people are doing around you. You can only change what's going on in, inside of you. And the sooner that you can practice this and drill this in and drill this in, 
it just makes such a world of difference. It's like, we could want to change somebody. We could, of course, want them to be better, but people have got to be willing to do it when it's their time, when they're ready. That's right. Why, I, what I, I find interesting is that you made this pact with God where, I mean, I can't tell you how many times after drinking too much or going to jail or like <laughs> overdosing or whatever, that I was like, okay, God, I'm never doing this again. I'm never doing it again. If you just get me out of this, I'm never doing it again. And then three days later, I was doing it again. Yeah. You actually kept the commitment. Where did, did that come from? You weren't religious. You, it's not like you had, you know, you, you weren't like already walking with the Lord. So how, like, how did you keep that commitment? Because I know that the audience that's watching right now is going, I've made a lot of promises to God I didn't keep. You actually kept this one and it's a big one. Totally. But it was just so important. I, my life really became unmanageable. Um, I'd say in about 2006, I was um, in a very mental abusive relationship. And when I left that relationship, my entire life like just crashed. So many awful things happened. It was just one thing like after another that had just gone wrong. And um, I was just in a really dark place. When I had met my ex, he was obviously in a dark place. It was like the same energy. And um, I, I just feel like I was really waiting for like a big sign to be like, this is your sign. You know what I mean? You see signs like if you're yeah. waiting for a sign, like this is it. And I just remember crying just so hard, just so hard that day. And I, it was really heartfelt. Like, I'm really scared. I don't want this for my life anymore. I don't want any of the things that's going on. I want to work in the bar industry. I don't want like this. I don't want any of this stuff that's going on in my world anymore. Just please, just please get me out of this situation. And literally when he ended up leaving, I was like, oh my gosh this is crazy. I actually have to change my life now, you know? So it was definitely like, Oh, holy crap. He's actually listening. Somebody is listening and he left. And I, I was just so done. Like he left and I was sad. Um, because I knew it was the end, but at the same time, I was so happy because I knew it was the beginning. So I knew at this point that I, I just, I wanted something different for my life. And I, I remember the very first thing that I started to do, I never used to be motivational or listen to motivational stuff like at all. And I started listening. The first place I turned to was YouTube. And to this day, I'm just, I YouTube, I listen to something on YouTube every single yeah. day. I love YouTube. That is my like main place of um, learning and motivation and better than school. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It is. I absolutely love YouTube. And I just started listening to like motivational stuff to keep me going. And um, at that time, I was like, okay, maybe I have like alcohol issues that this is like contributed to. So I stopped drinking for about six months and just took a lot. I, you know, I was like, okay, all my friends who are like partying, I remember I changed my phone number, I moved out of my place, like everything. I was just like everything. I mean, it wasn't like, instant instant but i just really started looking okay how has this contributed how have i con contributed to this lifestyle and i just started putting one foot in front of the other got out of the bar industry started working uh just any job that i could really take like i come from um 
um, my parents divorced when I was two. I actually moved out when I was 17. I had my own apartment when I was in high school and I was emancipated from my mom. So it's like always extremely like independent. And um, my mom actually worked in the bar industry. So it was just something for me to like know it was like natural. And when I, even when I left the bar industry, I mean, I had worked in it for over 10 years. Like I was so scared and, but I just knew that I had to get away from everything that I knew at that, at that, at that point. And then that's, you know, just a stream of jobs, spa industry, um, hotel industry, mortgage industry. And I just went on this, this journey of just finding out who I am and what I want and you know, what life is really about. So let's talk about your mom really quick. I didn't, I wasn't aware that you got emancipated. Um, have, are you guys reconnected at all or what's the relationship like now? Yeah, we are reconnected. My, my life was just, when I grew up, everything was um, pretty good in my life. And even though my parents divorced when I was two, I have no siblings. My uh, my dad left when I was young. I think the last time I saw him was when I was like eight. And uh, my mom raised me. She worked as hard as she could. I remember I, I would walk myself home when I was like 10 years old from school. You know, it was like a latchkey kid. And um, <laughs> such an old word. Oh my God, that word makes me feel so ancient. And I, you know. I, I haven't heard that in years either. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> And so I had to take care of myself and um, my mom actually ended up getting into an, an emotionally, mentally abusive relationship herself with my stepdad when I was about 14. And so that was definitely some learned behavior. And um, when she was 16, she, you know, she pulled me aside and told me that she was on drugs and she was going to go to rehab and all the things. Well, unfortunately, she never ended up going to rehab. You okay? Where'd you go? No, there is. you are. Can you see me? Okay, I had like yeah. a call, a call pop through. I'm sorry. Um, and she just started. I think because maybe she didn't go to rehab, and she just was like hating being with my stepdad, and she just had a lot of stuff going on. She went through a lot in her childhood, and at that point, like I just went a completely. A completely different direction we started fighting like all the time she was like well i'm moving out i'm leaving your stepdad and i was like well and i drove his cars to high school and to like school and stuff i was like well i'm not moving out i'm not gonna live with you like we're gonna end up killing each other you know this isn't gonna work so he worked two jobs he was gone all day from 6 a.m till nine o'clock at night so i just stayed in like the upper part of the upper part of the house that we lived in and uh, um one day I was just in a mood and he's like you have to go I'm kicking you out and I'm like what are you talking about like I don't even have anywhere to go like I don't even have a car I think he wrote me a check for like five hundred dollars or something and I went and bought a car went we me and my best friend we went and got my our own apartment um like at that time I think my rent was like god I'm so dating myself at that time I think my rent was like my rent was maybe like 400 bucks and we had a really good two bedroom, two bedroom, no, Arizona, Arizona. Oh, I was about to say, what are you, 98 years old? <laughs> yeah, Arizona. <laughs> okay, never mind. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's like, so I, I'm originally all this happened back in Arizona. Oh, okay. So this is where I'm from. You're like, where were you living? Um, <laughs> I, I, I lived in LA. It's yeah. nothing. Parking's not even four hundred dollars. <laughs> totally, I know, right? Yeah. Um, I rented my parking space in San Diego for a thousand dollars a month. My oh parking my space. That's Sorry, crazy. go ahead. It's okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So because I wasn't living with my mom and I had gotten my own place, like she couldn't call me in if I wanted to, you know, skip school or whatever. And so I got emancipated through the courts and I was just on my own at 17, had my own apartment. I was working at the video store and, um, yeah. Wow. You give me hope for my daughter. I mean, she's not watching this. I think she's mad at me still. I still don't know why, but you give me hope for my daughter. Um, because her relationship with the mother, you just told her story. Oh, wow. And, Oh, I mean, even personality-wise, you guys are a lot alike. So yeah. it's all going, you remind me of my daughter, but we're the same age. So that's kind of yeah. strange. But you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. like her story is similar. And, yeah. and I, but I also recognize that, you know, God, God heals, God restores. And like, yeah. and people can come back together. Forgiveness can happen. And, you know, the worst thing, which is, it's better than nothing to forgive at, at some point, but forgiving when it's after the fact or after they're gone it just makes you go god i just could have picked up the phone to say i'm sorry or i could have said will you forgive me or i could have said you know what i was too freaking lazy to go get help i was scared i whatever you know like you can just share your heart and 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 be honest because there's nothing especially when it comes to family like you know, counting on friends and all that is great, but when it's your blood, and I'm not saying, look, if you have a toxic family relationship, get out, distance yeah. yourself, the same thing, because family, like a love relationship, will beat you down if you let it, yeah. but when you can heal those family wounds, you can break generational curses, and you don't pay, pass that crap on to your own kids, and so I, I do like hearing that you guys reconnect. What was the moment that made you, you guys reconnect? Um, geez, I'm going to probably say just really in the last, I don't know, maybe like the last five years, we've just gotten, you know, we still have a strained relationship. I think we'll always have a strained relationship. Um, but, but, um, you know, she's my mom and I I know that she did the best that she can. And, um, I, I just like to know that she's there. I'm sure she likes to know that, you know, that I'm there. And, um, I mean, we still fight, we still bicker, like, (laughs) you know, to this day, I think we had like an argument like a month ago or something. It's like, but that's just like, I feel like that's just like a parent relationship, a parent child relationship, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So, um, I just take, you know, the relationship like as it is, like day by day and, um, you know, just protect myself with, you know, boundaries and all the things with everybody, every, everybody now. Mm -hmm. Well, and boundaries are key because especially if you have somebody that is abusive in nature or they have a lot of trauma, that balance of, of, of protecting boundaries becomes essential. It's, it's, it's how you stay safe it's how you protect your heart 
and and then even creating even even people that are going through the healing journey like the part that i had to learn was to set the boundaries and keep them so that i could heal because anytime yeah. i let somebody penetrate my boundaries they own me and then it just took me right back to my childhood trauma i kid you not like i I think I, I, I'm believing that God will restore and bring my twins back, but I gave them up for adoption when they were two because at that point in my life, I mean, God was protecting them because yeah. I would have wrecked them mentally. Yeah. Or totally. Even just where I was at with being whacked out on drugs and all of that. But I got it as a parent in that moment, looking back at it, like there was nothing. Like everything that I was trying to heal or to do the right thing was so clouded with so much darkness and evil and hurt and pain that I didn't understand and I didn't know who I was. And therefore, how, if I don't know who I am, how in the world can I be anything for anyone else? And so I'm so grateful that God protected them by removing them from my life. And But there's nothing more in this to this day that I want then that those relationships to be restored. And, and it breaks my heart to hear that you, I'm glad that you guys are reconnected, but I do pray that God heals her hurt so that you Thank can you. see the mother that she was created to be so that your relationship can be fully restored because that gummit, she's your mom. Yeah. You know, and I know that's yeah. important, but at the same time, I know that you're doing the right thing by protecting your heart because yeah. you've got a lot of really cool stuff going on. And I want you to talk about what you're doing as a leader, as a coach, and just how you're making a difference in the world because I love the work that you do. So I want you to speak on that. Yeah, definitely. So I started my coaching journey in 2015. I was actually, um, after I left the mortgage industry, I was actually working online uh, for, for um, a company actually coaching teams. And the company actually ended up going under. And I I didn't know what I was gonna do. I didn't wanna go back to the mortgage industry. I just, I, I just, I didn't know what I was gonna do. And I was like, well, I already know, I learned so much about just the online world and platforms and email lists and like, funnels and like all this stuff. I was like, I can't let this stuff go to waste. You know, like this is like incredible information that I've spent so much time learning and like perfecting, you know? So I was like, well, what if I just start my own like coaching business? And I was like, you know, this part of my brain's like, yeah, right. That's never going to happen. And I was like, you know what, what do I have to lose? Like I might as well try it. And so I started my business and first I, I mean, I've rebranded so many times I was just doing, I was like the motivation maven. And I was just like, I was just, I, I didn't, I was just being led. I was letting, letting God lead me. And I was just inspiring and motivating. And sometimes I would just put motivational quotes that I'd find on Pinterest, you know, and people just started shifting and changing. Just, you know, you see other people growing, you become interested, you know, especially somebody yeah. who's not even ever in that world. And, um, then in 2017, I, I, so this was back in Arizona. I had left Arizona 2016. I was finding myself being pulled back into old circumstances, old situations, old patterns, habits, all the things back in Arizona. And I was like, okay, 
Erica, if you really want to get your life like in order, you need to move. And I had lived in like fully, if you really want this life, you, you got to get out from like this, this, this circle of life. And um, even though my life wasn't even where it was in 2011, but it was just so you just, the, it, it's just a very small world in Arizona. And I was like, I have to get out of here. And I actually lived in California in my early twenties. And I just remembered how everybody was out biking and living life and busy and, I was like, that's where I'm going. I'm, I'm going to California. So I moved to California. And then in 2017, or 2016, I had gotten some, um, I was actually on the Bon Bon show. And I flew to New York with uh, Bon Bon and like another woman with like 10 other women just telling our story and like our life. And it, I just, everything started growing from there. And I just continued to change and rebrand and I hired some coaches and now really the last couple of years last year I started doing um you know dating coaching and I had always been somebody that just like gives advice and so it was just really something that was really you know easy for me to um to do to to, to help somebody grow from the level that I have grown um yeah. you know because we we can't give what we don't have and right. I um would help them grow from the level that I had grown. And I, 2019, I feel like all the years are like running together the last couple of years, 2019, I um, started doing dating coaching and just talking about dating and sex and men and, and life. And it, I was just having so much fun. Like it lit me up and I just had like the most amazing time talking about it. And even then I didn't even have, I wasn't even coaching clients actually in that area and then COVID happened and I started I was like why do I just want to talk more about spiritual stuff and I started talking about more spiritual stuff and I I re, I rebranded soul synergy and um then I really missed the dating stuff and I hired a coach and she's like if you, this is what you love like make this your mission she, you know she's like what you know, what is your area of expertise? I said, my area of expertise is not dating toxic men anymore. No longer, attracting, <laughs> no longer attracting like these types of, these types of men, you know, and these toxic people and experiences and, you know, just that whole world. And I'm like, this is literally like something that I've been, because even after my abusive ex, um, for a couple of years, I was still dating men who were narcissists, who were cheaters, who were, you know, players. It's like that whole, just not even the abuse. It's just that whole toxic, not fully spiritually driven man. And I completely eradicated from that, from my life. And I just, I, I just started running and, and with, coaching on you know programs and coaching women in the area of stopping attracting men who don't deserve them and stopping them just having you know these these men pop up on your social media and in, like i don't even have you know crazy guys pop up in my social media and send me you know weird or creepy pictures in my inbox anymore you know what i mean like that that is where like my energy is now and it's true right and um that's that's just like where I've I, I've gotten myself and my energy and just continually attracting great men and 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 guys who are just you know great guys who are just genuine and and yeah. who are kind 
And that was important for me going from, you know, witnessing what I did, like with my mom, witnessing even stuff years prior to that. I really think that that had like a, you know, cause it's also conscious like an effect on yeah, sure. an effect on, you know, my brain. And I just started really becoming obsessed with this work. And now I have, you know, multiple one-to-one -one clients. I launch group programs and my clients are like doing incredible. Two of my, almost two, well, two of my clients have met their soulmate from the work that I've taken them through. And I haven't met my soulmate yet, but I know he's out there. I, you know, it's just been, it's just been amazing just having these women come to me and, and want to work with me and, and want to learn from me. And it's just, it's, it's just been incredible. And then actually last year I wanted to go deeper besides coaching. So I graduated as an NLP practitioner oh. and yeah, so I do that now and EFT and hypnosis and Coaching is incredible. I, I, I love coaching, but, but such an, another layer that goes into mm -hmm. stuff that we've been through and trauma and stuff that coaching just can't do. And NLP has just done incredible. It's changed my life. It's changed my clients' lives. And yeah, so here we are. So I want to I want to speak to something really really quick because you brought up the narcissist thing. I know that a lot of your coaching clients will see this, so I want to say this, and I and I want you to comment on it, or even future clients of yours are going to yeah. see this. Ladies, <laughs> um, you got to be careful about how you put yourself out there, because narcissists smell blood. Like we are like vampires, and the thing that I have to deal with, and I and I fight this to this day, is that. If I smell blood in the water, so to speak, or if I smell someone that's been hurt, I can feel it. It's like a spidey sense. And it is an immediate thing. And especially if people call me and they start opening up to me, and I'm like, stop, stop. Like, like cut the boundary. First of all, you, I shouldn't be having these conversations with a woman anyway. Um, I, I mean, I don't even feel safe that way because it's 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 just not it's not a good thing. And even though I do the work to heal. You don't lose those instincts and you don't, those things don't go away. That intuition, because it's what, how, it's how you shift into being an empath because narcissists are empath, empaths, they are empathic. They can feel so they can feel your pain. So they know where to go. <laughs> they know how to pounce. They know how to attack you. They know all of that. So if you do not do the work to heal do not put yourself out there or you are just waiting to be a victim again. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, I, I posted something. It was a couple years on Facebook and it was like, it was the girls that put their, and I, and I'm not, listen, I love boobs more than I staring <laughs> at my wife right now. I, I was going to ask to see her boobs, uh, but no, <laughs> but uh, sorry, <laughs> but I just, I just messed myself up. No, but women that were like putting, they're sticking their chest out and then putting Bible verse scriptures like on their chest. So I'm like going, what are you trying to do? Like you're opening yourself up for yeah. pictures of penises and everything in your inbox. <laughs> you're setting yourself up for a narcissist to step in. Like don't put yourself out there unless if you are confident in who you are as a woman that you can stand up and go, screw you. I don't want those pics. You're blocked. 
if you can't stand up and fight for yourself and you're not healed, don't put yourself out there because all you are is prey. And I know that's not very sweet and nice to say, but I'm telling you right now, if you, people can smell, they can see your insecurities even through your Instagram post. Just saying, it's true. And I want you to hear it from somebody that literally looked for spots to pick so I could pick the women to put in my life because I was so codependent and I needed somebody in my life. And at the same time of that needing that, all I was looking for a woman that I could pass on to other men to watch them have sex with her because of my cuckold fetish or to bring in the bedroom that we would all sleep together. I was looking for somebody that I could bring into that situation. And guess what? Healthy women, for the most part, because I know some healthy people do get into some stuff, but I'm not going there. But I'm saying that men will use this stuff. And because women's nature is this loving, motherly thing, they get themselves trapped into these situations. And the next thing you know, all of this stuff has gone on in your life and you didn't even realize it because that's how a narcissist works. So don't put yourself out there unless you've hired Erica as your coach and she's helped you heal. Yes. I agree. All of my all of my exes looking back were narcissists. They all not I, I don't think it's like like you say, it's like they smell blood. I don't think it's an intentional thing. It's like it's no. just something that that it's yeah, that they they prey on weak women. Yes, it is an instinct. It's it's a secondary. So I don't understand the whole subconscious part of the brain. Like I haven't done studies on that necessarily. But it is like a subconscious thing. It's like if you if I see my cup spill over, this falls over, I'm going to reach and grab it. Yeah. It's the same instinctual thing. And I don't yeah. understand the psychology behind it. But that's why I'm expressing this the way that I am. Because listen, I'm open like this. Not to make myself look good. <laughs> like this is not to go, I'm not trying to win popularity contest. Yeah. But I created so much pain for other people in my life. I put inflicted pain on people. I affected generations with the things that I did of my own children, of my ex-wives, of past relationships, of past business relationships. I hurt a lot of people. So the best that I can do, and this is one of the things that I love about the Lord is that he is healed. Listen, it's a healing journey. I'm not saying I'm 100% healed, but I am saying that the healing that is taking place in my life every single day is because of being honest about these things. And I'm doing my best to create a different kind of ripple effect of truth so that other women can stop getting hurt, so they can be aware, so they know what to look for. Because you know what? And I think you can speak to this. A lot of women really don't know what to look for because narcissist, we're going to charm your pants off and you're not even going to know what's going to happen. Yeah. Or you didn't even know what yeah. happened. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I get really passionate about this. <laughs> I, I Because I'm looking at my daughter. My daughter's, I she's not watching this anyway. Cause she is, she's mad at me. But... <laughs> she, but she's, I still don't know why she's mad at me. Oh, I know why. Because now she's getting along with her abusive boyfriend. Mm. He, am I not supposed to say that? 
I can't. I, okay. <laughs> She's not watching anyway. But the fact is, that's the fact. She keeps going back. Yeah. And this is another thing, too. Women in abusive relationships, they alienate their families. They alienate the people that love them most because yeah. they're trying for some reason to protect what's going on. Yeah, and maybe he's got finances hanging over your head because, you know, he's the breadwinner, so he's controlling everything. And then there's that fear factor of, like, I can't leave because he's given me all the money. Like, he pays for this lifestyle I have. And, well, you know, I don't have an education or I have no job history, so what am I going to do? Oh, I guess I'm just going to stay here and get my ass beat because I don't know what else to do, and hopefully he'll be nice to me. Like, this happens to women all the time. Can you talk to that? About well, women that women that are in relationships and they feel stuck because of the financial prison that their 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 partner has over them. Well, yeah, it's it's a prison in itself. My abusive ex was broke as a joke. <laughs> he didn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. I was like the the. I was the one that was like paying the bills and everything. Um, God, that is so crazy. That would like. That is such a different lifetime ago, but, um, it is, it's like a prison. I mean, I, I, I hid who he was. It's, there's a lot of shame there. There's a mm -hmm. lot of embarrassment there. It's like, it's like, you've got this guy who's so, who's good to you on one area. And it's like, somebody just told me about that new word nagging. And it's like where, where a man is, it's called nagging and it's like where a man is um he lifts you up really high he's really nice to you oh. treats you great and then he starts picking you apart and then and then when he's nice to you again you're like oh you know there it is there it is and so it's like it's like it's 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 like this 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 mind fuck what have you where these men are they're they're just so disconnected from their life and who they are and it, it it just becomes this guilt and this shame that that the women want to stay and they want to protect them also when it comes to like money when i was with i was with um um my the mental abusive boyfriend that i was with in 2000 2005 to 2007 he made you know a shit ton of money so i knew when i left that I was going to have to, you know, and that was the only, he was actually him and my crazy abusive ex 2011 were the only two men that I had ever lived with. Obviously the second one, I was the one supporting the situation. But when I lived with my ex in 2005, uh, we had a house together. He paid all the house bills and it was so nice because all the money I made would go to, you know, hair, nails going out whatever i wanted you know what i mean so i knew when i left that all that was i was gonna have to redo everything again on my own and pay rent and pay car payment and do all the things so yes. there is uh, unfortunately you know money can really have a hold on us and these men who portray to be these great these great men there there's just so much that goes into why the women stay why they're scared to leave money they think that they can change the man they think that he's going to get better you know they, they don't want to believe that this bad part is actually who he is because they see this other completely different person and yeah. yeah there's just so much that goes into it well there's a and there's also a psychological effect that i experienced because the abuse did go both ways in my last relationship it wasn't that i was the sole abuser and i'm again not justifying what i was doing at all I mean, I the PTSD that I caused in that yeah. relationship 
is what triggered that uh, that abusive side, I believe. I mean, she was a feisty chick anyway. Um, but <laughs> but I really brought it out of her. I mean, I have a way of doing that to people, I think. But yeah. what I got sucked into, because after I gave my life to the Lord and I went on my healing journey, I was doing the work to get well. She wasn't. And, and there was a resentment on her side that I was starting to like break through and I'm starting to like, I mean, and I was always open about what was going on, but what would happen is she would get drunk and angry and then she would become abusive, like very aggressive verbally. It, it, it was, again, I probably a lot of it had to do with the trauma that was inflicted on her. So, but what I got sucked into, and I don't know if women go through this too, but I want to speak to this as a man that I started to believe she was the only one that could bring me back to health. So she would beat me down, called me AIDS dick, faggot, all that stuff. And if you know my story, you know yeah. about how crazy all that was, that I that life I lived. And she would say those things and, and really, really aggressive. And it would hurt. I mean, it, God, it hurts to hear that. It hurts to hear like verbal abuse to me has its own level of trauma that it sucks. Like I would almost rather be beat in the face than have some of the things that were said about me before because you get that loop in your head. You're always going to be a junkie. You're always going to be a piece of crap like your father. You're just this, you're an AIDS dick, blah, 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 all that stuff. And being told that was haunting. But then when she would apologize, and I could be so mad for two weeks, like not talking, I'm going to, no, no, I got to leave. I got to find a way to get out of this. I got to find a way. And then... I'm sorry. I, I love you yeah. so much. Forgive, will you forgive me, please? Please forgive me. I'll do anything. Forgive me, please. And then, and so, like, and then that loop starts. That went on yeah. for years. It yeah. doesn't end. That's yeah. why I said at the beginning of this, you just got to leave. Yeah. <laughs> you can't heal each other. It doesn't yeah. work that way. Yeah, 100%. Whew. Okay, this was interesting. <laughs> All right. I, Erica, I, I love what you do. Please plug how people can follow you. Um, at the end of this, um, as I told you before, we create a media kit. Everyone that is watching this right now, you can go to livemonoworldwide.org. You'll be able to find um, this broadcast, the audio form of it, and the full transcript. Um, and there you'll be able to find where Erica, uh, you guys can find Erica, follow her, get you know, hire her as a coach. But go ahead for me, plug everything you want to plug for the audience. And uh, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. So you can find me on Facebook, Eric Christine. My Instagram is being.ericine. Um, I think those are mainly the two places where um, you can find me. You can send me a message. My website, ericachristine.com, even though it's being remodeled a little bit right now. I understand that. I think the, yeah, I just, you know, I, I do run group programs and I do run, um, one-to-ones for me. What I'm really realizing is I love my one-to-ones. I, I love working with my one-to-ones. We meet once a week through zoom. They, they have me in their pocket to message anytime to work through the stuff that's mm -hmm. going on in between our sessions. And I take them through a process called liberated and loved. And it's about being liberated from the things that you've been, the things that you've been through, you know, figuring out, going deep into why you've even attract these men, things from childhood, 
and all the way into just feeling, you know, loved in who you are and attracting incredible, healthy love to you. So I just, I love it. I love what I do. I, I have goosebumps right now. I just, I feel so grateful to, you know, that, that, that God saved me and that this is, this is now my mission. And this is what I'm doing for women because there's just so many women out there that are going through, you know, abuse. So many women out there who are just you know, and it's not even just about the abuse, like I said, just dating toxic men, you know, narcissists, cheaters, players, just, just these men, married men, just these men who just aren't in the end, they're not gonna, they're, they're not gonna nourish you like you need to be no. nourished. So, um, so yeah, that's it. Erica Christine, you can find me anywhere. You can Google me, find me all, all the places on there. And um, yeah, thank you so much. This has been amazing. You are a blessing, Erica. I'm a huge fan. Uh, I'm so Thank grateful you. you came on, and I look forward to continuing to follow your journey and uh, and see you when I come back to L.A. Yes, awesome. Have an amazing rest of your day and week. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Bye. Erica, Christine, everyone. Um, golly, that it's always interesting when you see or I have a guest on with a woman that has been through an abusive relationship and hearing about their journey. And I really admire the women that decide that, you know, they're going to make it their mission to heal and, and then help others. And I, and I admire that because it's not easy to do because you know what? The healing journey is not easy and it's ongoing. It, it, it lasts forever. Um, so I love the work she does and she's the real deal. Like she is, I mean, I think you pretty much figured this out with the broadcast, but she's legit. I've been following her for years and just been in awe of her journey and love the work she does. Um, so really quick. So I um, want to put this out there uh, just in case. So Jessica and I, one of the ways that um, we, we love strategic collaborations and we've been very, very blessed to get some new film projects that we're producing um, if you're out there and you have a business that you want exposed uh, to the to the world, because this film is is going to be a global release, um, if you have a product or a brand, or you're even wanting to be written into a movie, uh, send me a message. Um, there's an opportunity there. Also, this is kind of a random, strange thing, but if you've ever heard of American Alligator Oil, um, we we have a really cool opportunity. If you are a, if you're an OEM, like a manufacturer that manufactures skincare, um, cosmetics, hair products, when you read the science about alligator oil, American specifically American alligator oil, we have the patent formula for this, and it's derived from alligator fat of all things. And for you PETA folk out there that are going ah. <laughs> We actually, this process allows, we, we create more alligators than we take, if that makes sense. So we're, we're, the eggs have a 3% survival rate, which is kind of interesting, like 3% the eggs, wow. I, that blew my mind. But what happens is with this process with the eggs, they're actually, there's a 7% gain on the alligators. So it's done in the most humane way possible while keeping the the alligator population alive. And if you know anything about alligators and you read this real science, I mean, and we can send all of this stuff to you, but real clinicals that are, is, have been done on this oil, the process, everything. But not only does it good for scars, wounds, burns, like I'm saying decubitus ulcers. And if you know anything about that, those are like, 
it's bed sores is another way to say it. The healing properties, it actually regrows hair. It's amazing for their skin. I have great skin. I have great skin. I use the alligator oil. Um, it's an amazing additive. So it's a good complement for CBD. So whether you ingest it or you put it on topically, it has benefits. Uh, the other thing, do you have a mask, honey? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a new mask. Um, this is God. Like God has been doing so many cool, amazing things. Um, but we have a new mask, and it's an easy breathe mask. Can I put it on? Yeah. Okay. Clean. So it just looks like a regular black mask, right? But you can talk in it. And if you notice that my voice, actually, I'll talk more quiet because, you know, could maybe raise my voice. But if you can tell alone, like my voice is not obstructed at all from this, right? It's because I can breathe in it. It's not sticking into my nose. I can breathe. I always make fun of Jessica because of this mask. I make fun of her because she'll come in to give me a kiss. I'm like, what are you doing? You have a mask on. She goes, oh, I forgot I had it on. This happens every day almost. So it's the Easy Breathe mask. Now, we're not selling one-off masks. We're looking for companies and businesses that want to put their label on it. So there's a minimum that you can buy, but there's not a mask like it on the planet. We have all the information on it, all the specs on it. You're welcome to reach out about it. It's legit. You can breathe. It's comfortable. I hate masks. I think masks are, well, I, I, I keep a lot of my personal opinions quiet here, but masks suck and I don't want to wear them. But when I go into a business, I got to respect that business because that's their wish and that's on their, their, their sign. So, you know, I'm going to listen. So I want to put that mask on, but when I have a mask on, I want to breathe. Okay. What's the other thing I want to talk about? Uh, <laughs> okay, is there anything else? I, uh, yeah. So many oh, things. It's, too much to... it's, there's a lot going on. Yeah. We're very blessed. Actually, I do want to show you guys something. Can I do this? Um, well, okay, so yesterday we released The Devil Inside Me. And here it is. The Devil Inside. The Devil. Oh, what a scary thing. But it brings so much satisfaction. It brings so much satisfaction to give in to the the temptation. Man, it used to hurt me. It used to hurt me so bad. You didn't have to take my innocence, but you did. You took my innocence, both of you, both of you devils. You took my innocence and robbed everything that was to look pretty and safe and comfortable. And now all I see are the pleasures of, of sex and the feeling and the rush of euphoria that comes from this bowl of toxic, but glorious amazement 
the feeling of euphoria and pleasure and not getting enough. I can't get enough. Feed me, feed me. But you hurt me. But you hurt me and you take so much away, devil. You've taken so much from me. Man, I used to hurt me. You used to hurt me so bad. You didn't have to take my innocence, but you did. You took my innocence, both of you, both of you devils. You took my innocence and robbed everything that was to look pretty and safe and comfortable. And now all I see are the pleasures of, of sex and the feeling and the rush of euphoria that comes from this bowl of toxic, but glorious amazement, the feeling of euphoria and pleasure and not getting enough. I can't get enough. Feed me, feed me. But you hurt me. But you hurt me and you take so much away, devil. You've taken so much from me. My innocence, my youth, my purity, the joy of living a normal life. I just want to feel the pain that brings pleasure, the pain the pain that these drugs bring, the pain that sex brings, I want it all because it's the only thing that can satisfy this demon inside of me. I want it to go away. I want it to stop. Golly, every time I watch that is, uh, it like just makes me sick to my stomach. And that was my life. Um, yesterday we released The Devil Inside Me Newport, which is part one. You can find that at livemonaworldwide.org. Um, just look for The Devil Inside Me. You'll see that. And um, it's graphic. It's triggering. It's not pretty. Um, we've decided that we're re we've released this um, in book form, audiobook, um, and then short film, kind of like what you just saw. And um, listen, it's uh, we've gotten... It's been, actually, it's been a lot more support than I thought. I've been waiting for more criticism. Um, and we've had some, and not everyone really understands it. But it's important to be honest. It's important to share the truth. And, and, and unfortunately, we've become numb to words. We've become numb to hearing about traumas and abuse. I mean, this whole conversation with Erica... 
and everything that we discussed, you know, sometimes just hearing about it doesn't really make an impact. And through video or through, you know, just this experience, we're hoping to really show people what hell looks and feels like in order to show a solution. So it's a 10 part series. Uh, it's released every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central. And um, it's a true story, all of it. So appreciate your support there. Thank you guys for being here. God bless you. And again, uh, you know anyone that wants to be a part of a movie, let me know. Um, next week, man, just God's doing some amazing things. And we really appreciate your support. That's enough for now. God bless. And thank you for supporting the Live Mata Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Goodbye. <laughs>